Welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week these idiots pair cocktails with comic books. You can find the cocktails, drinking game rules, and playlists on the blog at funnybooksandfirewater.com. While at funnybooksandfirewater.com, you can also find a drinking game rule to play while you listen to each episode. You can follow us at FirewaterCast on Twitter, and FunnyBooks and Firewater on Facebook and Instagram. This is episode 163. My favorite thing is monsters. Part of our Written by Women Month. I'm not that worried about it. My interview was today, so I get to be kind of brain dead the, the next day. So I'm not worried I, about I it. I get you, but it's like, you know, it's late in Connecticut. We're, we're, we're covering a fair amount of time zones on this episode. Yeah, so, that's uh, true. I, I feel a little shitty about that. You know what I mean? So it's all Jason's fault though. This is very true. Yeah, it is. I, actually, that makes me feel a little bit better about life. Yeah. Really? The fact that it's not completely my fault. Well, I also so. feel like that's kind of our thing, right? We just always blame Jason for everything. Um, it's been a thing for a while. Yeah. 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 I think he knows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about Jason though, is I used to, and, and Todd can attest this. I mm-hmm. used to have like great ex-girlfriend stories and think like I had all the best great ex-girlfriend stories. And Jason has like oh. just sort of thrown that out the window. You know what I mean? It's not a thing to be proud of. And I'm sure he's not, but yeah. I, I, I forever lose. You know what I mean? It's just like, it does make me happy that I seem to be the sanest of everyone's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Which I guess is a yeah. good thing. <laughs> I mean, as we've discussed, not I don't know if we've discussed it on the air. We've discussed it off the air. I mean, really, we broke up because we were dumb young people. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You were like 19 or whatever. So it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're entitled to be an a hole when you're younger. I think everyone is to a certain extent. I'm sure I was. I'm still an a hole. You know what I mean? So we're still figuring out how to be people. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> When do we figure true. that out, Todd? <laughs> yes. We're still you die. figuring out. It's it's a it's yeah. a journey and a process. Yeah, Just keeping in the book too. Yes, oh, it is. God. Okay. Yes. Well, welcome to episode one sixty three of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Uh, we are finishing up our month of written by women books uh, with Emil Ferris's "My Favorite Thing Is Monsters." Uh, a quite a tome, and it's only part one of her book. Yeah. Um, they split it into two and published it because they thought that would be easier to sell. I will be honest with you, I didn't finish this fucker, and I felt really, I tried really hard. I carried this big, heavy book, which is bigger than any textbooks I currently have, around <laughs> with me for weeks trying to finish this thing, and I feel like I barely made a dent. So I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to play more host than. Uh, critic on this episode i'm just being upfront and honest that i didn't finish this fucker uh adam did finish it but uh he didn't make it uh, on the show he got extended at work so uh he sent me his notes so i'll sort of steal his ideas and claim them as my own as any good <laughs> person would uh but we do have a full group with us and we're covering multiple as we if i left it in multiple time zones uh since this is uh women writers we'll go ladies first and the furthest time zone out we have lena joining us hi lena hi um i guess i have to say who i am um <laughs> i am elena i where i live and work in the connecticut new york area and I just left Denver, and I'm very sad about it. Um, so yeah, you were so excited to leave Denver too. I would. I well, I'm still happy to be out east. I mean, I'm sure Jason could tell you otherwise because I complain to him all the time. But 
Yeah. I'm happy to, to be out of the mountains and back on the beach. So, yeah. Well, and beach weather is coming up. It's it's still cold in California, at least by California oh, no. standards. It was, 80, it was 82 here today. Wow. Holy Oregon. crap. It was yeah. 45 wow. here in Salt Lake. It's, it's snowing in Denver right now. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those moments you're really happy to not be in Denver anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, okay. Well, he's not in Denver anymore. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been to Denver outside of visiting Lena. We have the monster masher himself, Mr. Jason. Uh, I actually have been to Denver a couple times. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah and um, not to visit me. No, let's, let's, let's skip over that part. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry to Jason. bring up the sore subject. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. She wouldn't have gone skiing with me anyway. Um, oh, okay. so yeah, I'm Jason, a writer in Los Angeles, temporarily working in the game capture department for a trailer house. And uh, here's your weekly WGA update. Mm. Uh, so the Verve agency, uh, despite not being one of the big four, is a pretty well-known and respected agency. It actually just signed the WGA's new code of conduct after about a week of uh, negotiating some fine uh, language, making it actually the 70th agency to do so. And so while Verve is not a member of the ATA or the Association of Talent Agencies, and only one another agency that has agreed to the new code is, this agreement should start to show some cracks in the resolve of the other agencies uh, as the weeks move on. So fingers crossed that uh, it is one of many to sign. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Either that or they're just going to have a shit ton of writers on their bill. Which is very possible. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, which may be what they're going for. Who knows? Yep. Uh, cool. And then I am required by law to follow Jason up with Todd. Hey, Todd. I'm glad you understand the finer <laughs> points of the law. <laughs> so. There is an attorney after all. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm out here in Salt Lake, Utah, um, reading a lot of stuff. So, if you see me, say hi. Uh, and uh, still, I guess I've got a six-month-old kid, and I'm an old man to begin with, so that's new. <laughs> or is it old? You, old. You're old to Utah old. standards. In California, sure. you're pretty average. Like, it, you know, you're pretty average age for having your first kid in Utah or in California. So, like, I, I, I would just say that you're just geographically challenged in that respect. No, I, I agree with you, but my beard's already mostly gray before I had her. Everyone's like, oh, I see your kid turned your beard gray. And I'm like, no, it was gray to begin with, apparently. So <laughs> so now I've got this. And I will say I refer to her as Little Lebowski. Because if... Oh, nice. Right? Because, but it, so if she's clean and well-fed, she is just the chillest little motherfucker around. And I love that little kid. She's just like, yeah, whatever. Do your thing. And it's awesome. I mean, tomorrow it might change, but so far she's just like a little version of the dude. She just doesn't give a crap. Nice. We should help her cosplay. Get her bathrobe and, you know, put some milk in a glass and she can just kind of walk around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the milk thing won't be hard at all, but yeah, as you're watching it, you can dress <laughs> her up in anything. You can poke her. I mean, really, I'm like, people's like, oh, is she really that chill? I'm like, I like pinch her cheek, shake her leg do all sorts of weird stuff and she just looks at me and she's like what and i'm like see there you go if she anyone really can torture she really is super chill but she if anybody is, can like, torture somebody it would be todd right <laughs> and people meet her it's like oh you're just saying this and i'm like then come meet her and they're like oh wow and i'm like yeah so that's what it is i she'll make up for it later i'm sure Either that or she'll end up having like some super stressful job. She'll be like a, you know, a SWAT team expert or something like that and just be able to handle incredibly stressful situations. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, my training will be good for something, right? Exactly right. (laughs) Cool. And hey, and I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based in Southern California, and uh, I will be heading to Utah in a couple of weeks. So we'll do a few semi-live episodes, which will be fun, um, without Mr. Jason and Lena, Mm -hmm. because they'll be in other states. Unless they want to come out. I know. There's always that option. (laughs) I mean, I'll come back out for the next Fanex, but I'm not just going to like randomly pop into Salt Lake. Okay, so crazy thing. They emailed me. I I might have to cut this out, but uh, they emailed me asking me if uh, I was going to be at the next one because they wanted to announce me early. And I was like, when did I become enough of a name that I'm one of the early announcements of of people who are going to be there? Which that that blew my fucking mind. Yeah, that was a little weird. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah I'll be there. So, hey, you anyway, should ask them weird. if they want us to do a live podcast and all of us will just come out into the room. I'm a little afraid of how many people will turn up or not. Like, that's the thing that scares me. You'd expect absolutely no one and it'll be the greatest thing ever. If three people show up, it would be great. Yes, that's true. That'd be re- I don't see. Know. It'd be odd, but then you can say, "And we have done a show live at Fanex." I'm like, "Why not?" It doesn't mean anyone was there. <laughs> it's a valid point. <laughs> it's a valid- <laughs> Just because, like, hey, look at this wild crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We have a laugh track. We just do a laugh track. It'll be great, dude. I can edit the shit out of that. Like, I have, see? I have the technology. I can make it sound like we were like in a stadium. It would be great. <laughs> we can even like, go to the corner in the green room or somewhere else. Who cares? Just say and live that's from Fanex. Yeah, why not? That's 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 tempting. I I, I might email. See, them you're really thinking about it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it, but my better judgment will come into play at some point in time. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. See, anyway. we'd even go like we'll, Big Bang Theory, get the iPads. No, we'll do like the yeah, Big Bang Theory true. with iPads and the T-shirt, and the others can remote in. Hmm. <laughs> no, I think we should just get them all to show the fuck up. I think we I think this is the way that we get uh, Jason to finally come to Utah. I think that's how we do it. Lena, I think will come. You know what yeah, I mean? Hang okay. out. Yeah. Would Fanex pay for my ticket? No. No. First off, Jason, a ticket from California to Salt Lake is like is nothing. nothing. It's, it really it's still is. something. It's still something. Dude, well, if I can afford the two. ticket, you can afford the ticket. <laughs> you, you and I have different costs of living at the moment. Okay, but not when I was living in Denver. I still pay for that ticket, bitch. Yeah, but you st- st- again, still different cost of living. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm not gonna that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I always said if I can make it financially uh, viable, I will do it. Okay. That's fair. Well, you can always road trip, and then you don't even have to pay for a ticket. Hey. That's possible. Then I just okay. have to make yep. sure I can take the days off. Okay, yeah. well. If I can take the days off, you can take the days off. No. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so I had to pull that one for just a second. Yeah. <laughs> just for fun. Anyway, William, if you'll be at FanX, we'll do a live show. Just for William. We'll figure so it out. Let us know, William. Uh, anyway. Uh, where the fuck were we? <laughs> so, <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hey, Todd. Yeah. What's up, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. You recommended this book, right? Yes. And okay, one of did... my friends actually gave this to me as a Christmas present. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, Amber, who we actually said hi to a previous episode. Oh, yeah. Hey, Amber yeah. and her homies. She yeah. has a bunch of friends who are in Chicago area. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah. 
They listen to the show. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm waving at you, but this is radio, so you can't see. Um, and uh, I've had a fair amount of caffeine today, but no alcohol yet. So uh, I'm just this naturally weird. Enjoy. Uh, so what is the... Does anybody want to give us a general intro as to what this book is? Um, I mean, I could do it, but I've, I'm, I haven't made as much of a dent in it as other people have. I'll give it a go. Okay. So just so the non-spoilery general sales pitch. So this is uh, written and drawn by one artist, writer, uh, Emil mm-hmm. Ferris, and it is a journal-slash-casebook of a young girl trying to find her place in the world and figure out life and mysteries around her. How's that not? And she's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. She yeah. sees herself as a monster. As a werewolf. And That's a, true. As yeah, a werewolf. She sees herself as a, as a monster, as a werewolf, yes. and she's obsessed with monsters and other things that way. Right. Yes. Um, also, did anybody else look up the Wikipedia on this book? Because I might have surprises for you if you haven't done so. No, I did. You did. Okay, so you yeah. you know some of the interesting information. I did. Oh no, we'll save it about, for after. About the author, you mean? Yes, about the author. Yes. I thought okay. that was fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, we will save that for uh, after we get into spoiler territories. Uh, so, Todd, what is the myification of this book? It is a uh, damn. That's a lot of ballpoint pen work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew you'd have to mention a ballpoint pen in there somewhere. Like that really is. It, yeah. it truly is incredible, I, I though. I mean, book. it's 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 a horror mystery coming of age um, thing did, going on here. Did the inside. Uh blurb actually says um it's a murder mystery a family drama a sweeping historical epic a psychological thriller about monsters real and imagined within and without well you know that's why somebody got paid to write that kind of thing uh because but uh, you know we don't get paid so we get to just goof off and, that's right you know, read comic books. but it yeah, is, um, it's an oversized book it's 40 bucks which is actually mm-hmm. a bit to bite off so thanks people for buying it yeah. yes and it it's I mean, it, it, it's what I've read so far. I've really enjoyed, but it is it is an undertaking. It it's is, also it's on Kindle for oh, okay. less than ten dollars, yeah. which is how I read it. Oh, nice! nice. Someone's smarter yeah. than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I, Todd, you and I have. Well, I'm, I'm so running out of space on my shelves. I'm gonna have to start rethinking my life. Um, so, well. <laughs> Jeez, uh, I'm rambling today. I apologize. Uh, so let's jump into votes as to whether or not we believe it is worth belief. Believe it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort uh, to read this book. Um, Adam's vote is a yes, but he has some things to know before we read. But we'll get to those later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Mr. Jason, what is your vote? Uh, it's definitely a yes. Uh, Elena, I'm on the fence. It's kind of a maybe for me. Okay. Is it depending on the reader or is it just you're not completely sold on it one way or the other? I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, there are parts of it that I liked and parts of it that I didn't. And, um, and so I'm a maybe. Okay, cool. Uh, Mr. Todd. Yes. Okay. And I haven't read enough that I feel like it's fair to say yes or no definitively, but what I have read, I've enjoyed. Uh, so we'll, we'll say it that way. So like based on what I've read, I would say yes, but to be fair, I haven't read it. Uh, so, well then let's jump into uh, drinking game rules um, for your reading edification and drunkenness. Uh, Elena, what is your drinking game rule for this week? So I saw Todd, I saw yours. We have the same one. Oh, really? um, I'm 
Yeah. And so I said state of the art. When you see the artist do like depict a real art piece, take a drink. Okay. Nice. Uh, I'm going to do one uh, just in honor of our good friend Christopher, who every time he gets a new iPhone, he mentions how much it weighs so that when you fall asleep looking at your iPhone in bed, it falls on your face and and hurts like how much weight it is. Um, So every time you marvel at the weight of this (laughs) tome, take a drink. Uh, We'll call that the, the Christopher rule, just in honor of our... Dear friend, who just got engaged. Congratulations, yeah, Chris. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Hey, way to go, Chris. Uh, oh, yes, because everybody on this podcast has met and hung out with Chris. Yes. I forgot about that. So, anyway, uh, so congratulations, Christopher and Andrew. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see, uh, Jason. Uh, my drinking game rule is called Love Machine. Anytime Dee's has sex, take a drink. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Todd, do you have another one, or do you want to just reiterate the other one you had? Um, okay. My drinking game rule is the um, the pulp graphic covers. So every time you go to a new chapter oh, or anything yeah. and oh, you yeah. see those yeah. new pulp horror covers, go ahead and take a drink. Well, so let's uh, put together a list of uh, songs to uh, listen to while we're reading and drinking along with this did epic Adam tale. Did Adam have a thing? Oh, did, oh he did. did Adam have a, he did have a drinking game rule. That's mm-hmm. right. He said, uh, the world is my canvas. Every time someone talks about art, uh, <laughs> that was his, which that's, 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 that's a, a cool lot of one. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. a very evil and mean one. Uh, but you know, that's Adam for you. Enjoy. Yep. Uh, so (laughs) awesome. So let's jump into a playlist now, uh, some songs to listen to while you read this book. Uh, Mr. Jason, what is your song? Uh, mine is a little on the nose, but it's called monster mash by Bobby Pickett. Nice. Elena. Uh, bad moon rising from Creedence Clearwater revival. Nice. Uh, Adam said Vincent by Don McLean. Uh, Mr. Todd. Mine is Spider by Oingo Boingo. Okay, and mine was going to be basically anything Rob Zombie ever put out. Uh, <laughs> but I think I'm going to specifically stick with um, Dragula. Just, you know, but pretty much any Rob Zombie record nice. pretty much fits the bill on this book. So we have rules, we have votes, we have a playlist, but what we need now is the actual cocktails to drink along with this. Uh, Mr. Jason, what's your cocktail? Uh, mine is called Death by Chocolate. It is one ounce dark uh, creme de cacao liqueur. Uh, this site in particular recommended Gabriel uh, Boudoir. Uh, one ounce Bailey's Boudoir. original Irish cream liqueur, yes. Uh, one ounce Kettle One vodka or any vodka of your choice. And then three scoops of chocolate ice cream. If you've had a rough week, go for the good stuff. Uh, blend <laughs> all the ingredients with two 12-ounce scoops of crushed ice. Pour into a hurricane glass. Garnish with a crumbled chocolate bar of your choosing. And then drink to enjoy. In Utah, that's pronounced hurricane. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Mr. Todd, what is your cocktail? Um, You're the only person appreciating that joke here, by the way. It is funny. It's true. (laughs) So it is funny. Thank you for making me laugh. There you go. Enjoy. um, Mine's the cardamom blush cocktail, and it's in honor of the uh, person upstairs that died that she's trying to figure out why she died. Um, It has Mm. one and a half ounces of gin. One ounce of fresh cream lemon juice, squeezed lemon juice, uh, three quarters of an ounce of a cardamom infused lilit rose, one ounce simple syrup, two dashes of Peychaud's bitters, and two dashes of rose water. So what you're going to do is combine all the ingredients in a shaker and shake the shit out of it for about 10 seconds. 
Then double strain it through a fine mesh strainer to a chilled coupe glass and add a lemon wedge for garnish. Awesome. Uh, Lena, what is your <laughs> cocktail? It's called Monster Meister. Nice. I was just looking at that. You, <laughs> you got that off of. Uh, I don't know what this is. Cook uh, one, two, three. Oh, no, this is um, a different one then. Okay, yeah, maybe. So this it's two ounces of Jägermeister and four ounces of Monster Energy Drink. Oh. Whatever which one you want. <laughs> and in a cocktail shaker with ice, combine the Jägermeister and Monster Energy Drink. It says shake well, but I feel like... It might explode all over you. Um, strain into a highball glass and enjoy. I'm not so right up your alley, Brian. <laughs> it, it is actually, but the funny thing is, is I found a uh, website that is just—it's like a blog post that is all just different cocktails with Monster Energy drinks in them, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is where I saw the Monster Meister in there. But uh, so I'm going to call it. I'm going to use the picker do. I don't know why I just like it, but um, it is a half an ounce of vodka and a half ounce of Monster Energy drink, nice and sweet and simple. And it's you know it's a vodka Red Bull, but with Monster Energy drink. But you know, enjoy that way. And Mister Adams was called Starry Night. I'm sure referencing some of the classic art that is in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is one and a half ounce, yeah, one and a half ounces of chocolate vodka, one and a half ounces of vanilla vodka, one ounce of Bailey's, one ounce of Kahlua, a splash of cream. Add all the ingredients into an ice-filled shaker, shake the shit out of it, and strain into a martini glass. Thank you, Adam, for adding in the shake the shit out of it. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. I got everybody, right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, any final warnings before we go into reading this? Yes. Uh, Adam has one as well, but go ahead, Mr. Jason. I was going to say, uh, there are uh, depictions of naked women, uh, young girls in prostitution, and unfortunately rape, uh, although the rape is thankfully not actually illustrated. But it, okay. it does deal with some very mature themes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Adam says, things to know before you need, uh, you, you read. This isn't a light book. It's very long. You'll need a few days to really cover the whole thing and finish it. I had to put it down and pick it back up at least three times uh, to finish it. And I didn't like it for the first 150 pages. But once I got into it, it was mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. So that was Adam's forewarnings. Anybody else have anything to add to that? I second that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it took me halfway through the book to like get into it. See, and I kind of liked it from the beginning, but I also love Rob Zombie, so maybe it's just I like those the monster aspect of it and that kind of stuff. So maybe that's just maybe it's just up my alley a little bit more. Who knows? But uh, cool. Uh, anything else? I think we're good. Yeah. Cool. Then we are going to take a wee little break. Uh, if you would like to take a time to read this book, uh, go ahead and pause this podcast, and we'll see you in about a week or two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just shy of 400 pages, just so you know. It is, yeah. yes. Uh, the full thing is 700 pages, and they cut it into two, just so yeah. you're aware. Uh, so if you want to read the entire thing. And, like, because I was surprised, like, because this came out in 2018, right? This is, like, relatively 17. recent. It's 2017. Yeah. But part two came out in 2018. So, like, part two just barely came out as well. Did it? Um, I well, thought it wasn't out yet. It's not out uh, yet. I thought it's on Amazon. Oh, is it? So, it's not out yet? Okay. I thought I saw it on Amazon, but maybe mm-hmm. I was it's, making it. It's stuff unavailable out. on Amazon, but it is, there was a page there. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I think so it was it, originally supposed to come out and then it got pushed. So, yep. Okay. Um, she also had some issues finding publishers and things like that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I mean, I, I can see where it's hard to justify this giant tome of a book and be like, hey, publish this. And people go, who the fuck are you? Um, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. 
but yeah, but like we said, we all voted for it, but it is uh, it is an undertaking uh, as far as comics go. So uh, we will leave you to it. Um, if you want to just have a spoil the shit out of it, which might be the easier way of going, <laughs> um, just stay uh, stick around, and uh, we will see you on the flip side. While we take a break, here is a message from one of our fellow Hello Sweeping Network podcasts. Hi, everybody. This is Matt. And I'm Trevor. We're the co-hosts of the Nighthawks podcast, a movie podcast for people who like to stay up late. We've just joined the Hello Sweetie podcast network, expanding our podcast empire and bringing the world to its knees. Take a seat in the Nighthawks diner with us. We're going to talk to you about movies. We've got new movies, old movies, movies we love, movies nobody loves. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and at nighthawkspodcast.com. Hey, that was pretty good. Do you think they'll listen? Uh, the good ones always do. Who wants to do the summary? Not it. Not it. So I, I actually was sort of prepared for this. Oh, uh, no. Nice. Uh, um, I, I copied and pasted a uh, an entry from a website that actually did summarize the entire thing. Uh-huh. It is three full pages of a summary. Wow. It, so you, so you can summarize a summary? Or are you going to go yeah. through the whole thing? I, I, that's what I think. I don't know how to adequately summarize this whole thing because there are so many things that happen. Yeah. Um, is it worth just foregoing yes. the summary and just starting the discussion? Is there just too uh, much to summarize that you can't just summarize it? I can summarize it. It just it's going to take me ten minutes to read the summary. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Um, come on, DJT. Just don't read it at all. My my opinion is I think we just dive into the conversation and we see where it goes. Okay. If we need to give any backstory, we can. And yeah, yeah. backstory for whatever you thought. I'm I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah, that's let's try that because let's frankly, this is just too much of a book to try to summarize. Like, yes, agreed. It's sort of like, hey, summarize the Bible. Well, there's some people (laughs) and they're assholes, and then God does some shit, and then there's a nice guy who shows up and. (laughs) <laughs> then God does some shit, and then the Christians do some shit. And the end. Uh, there's the Bible for you. <laughs> Left out a few things here and there. Anyway, uh, that lets you know how much of Sunday school I paid attention to. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're a bad Mormon. <laughs> oh, so bad. I, actually, I, I met another fellow recovering Mormon at a bar last night, which was pretty funny. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, also, like, we're sitting talking and someone made a joke about me being Mormon. He goes, you're raised Mormon, too? And I was like, yep. So I found another one of the tribe of the fallen Mormons. So. <laughs> it's always fun. I seem to bump into them uh, a lot, actually. It's it's a thing. Well, especially in California. So, anyway. Go former Mormons. Woo-hoo! Uh, cool. Well, Lena, you had some issues with it. So let's uh, let's start out with there. What, what, what did you like? What did you didn't? Uh, what did you didn't like? What did you not like? Uh, besides my English uh, and grasp thereof. Uh, so, yeah. What are your thoughts? It was, um, once you got into knowing all the characters, it was just hard to follow at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's super dense. Yeah. Like, the very the first few pages where she was talking about, I don't know, villagers coming after her, It I had to reread it a couple of times because I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And and I, it took me a while to realize that the way that she depicts herself mm-hmm. is how she sees herself, but not how she actually looks i mean she Mm -hmm. looks like michael j fox from teen wolf so (laughs) (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. and um but it wasn't until and then like the whole piece of the neighbor dying and and all the different neighbors and i was getting confused with everyone's names Mm -hmm. 
And um, so it it was something I started and then put down and then came back to and then had to put down again. And it was a lot of um, like spaces in between the actual finishing of everything because it was just it wasn't until you hit the midpoint when she's listening to the tapes of the neighbor that died. Mm-hmm. Anka, I think was her yeah. name. Yeah. It, that stuff, that was when I really started to get into it. Cause I am like a world war two, like Nazi Germany, like crazy person that I just love stuff around that time and, and, and everything. And um, so I got really into that. And then all of a sudden it just stopped and then it got all kinds of goofy again. And I was just like, I don't know what the hell is going on here. Um, and I'm the type that I can read a book, like a 300-page book, in like a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it took me like four days to get through this was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to get through. It was great. It's it's a, I think it's wonderful. It's just, it took a lot for me to get through this book. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's quite a tome, and like I think part of where I'm having issues, like because I still intend on finishing reading this book, but like mm-hmm. it's not laid out in a traditional comic sense, so it's it's not mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't flow visually as far as words go like a typical book does. So there, I found myself reading something and then reading something else, like kind of the way you sometimes do when you first start reading comics. And go, oh wait, I wasn't supposed to read that in that order, and going back and rereading it a little bit and doing some stuff that way. That ended yep. up getting me a few times that way. Um, but uh, yeah, one thing I just wanted to point out, which I thought was really interesting, and uh, Jason, you can chime in on this as well. From my brief research on Wikipedia, which uh, frankly I was looking for a summary um, on Wikipedia to see if there was one, which there isn't. Uh, the uh, author, uh, Ferris, she ended up getting mm-hmm. West Nile virus in 2002 um, at the age of 40, and she was paralyzed from the waist down and her right hand, and it was preventing her from doing her freelance drawing work. So what she basically did is she had written a screenplay uh, for a werewolf lesbian girl uh, becoming enfolded in the uh, in the protective arms of a Frankenstein trans kid. And uh, it was this theme of two outsiders that she wrote, and she sort of went to, uh, let's see, the School of Art Institute of Chicago, got her MFA in creative mm-hmm. writing, and then she taught herself to draw again by working on this, and so she would sit there, and this was part of her recovery process uh, for trying to relearn how to write, and it was sort of like her writing and stuff like that, so this was just sort of these big creative undertakings. So, like, I kind of can feel why there is so much involved in it, because it was, like, sort of this big thing of her trying to get back on her feet and be able to work again, and so, like, I think there's a lot of things in there to try to challenge her and do stuff that way, but... Uh, uh, was there anything else, Jason, that you caught from that that you thought was interesting? Uh, I mean, j- just that alone, the fact that this uh, is so beautiful, and we'll get into the art um, later mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. it's so beautifully illustrated for anyone, mm-hmm. but for the fact that she was partially paralyzed and this was her recovery process, it makes it all the more uh, astonishing and impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and just kind of speaking on that, Jason, it's funny yeah. because, I mean... <clears throat> So I don't know. I know Todd would know, and I don't know if Brian would know this. Maybe Jason doesn't, but either. But my father is an artist, and the mm-hmm. way that he draws is very much similar to how she draws. Mm-hmm. So the art and every like the book is. I love it. The art in it, I absolutely adore. Um, it's the same. That's the same type of of art that I've grown up looking at when my father draws. So um, mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very impressive. Like 
just flipping through it, there are like lots. There's there's not really a lot of pages where you look at it and go, oh, the art on that page isn't very interesting. It's just the dialogue, the way it's written and stuff like that. I think that's where the challenging is. There's and there's mm. this fun notebook quality to it that like. Um, I guess that comes from, I was reading a little bit somewhere where like she used to draw a lot in her notebooks when she was in school and her friends would borrow them and pass them around and stuff like that. And it was giving that general idea of like, and it kind of, it creates this sort of cool sort of bi- autobiographical kind of vibe of like, this is this notebook that she's drawn in mm-hmm. and, you know, pass it on. And like, there's a lot of discussion of art. Her brother is an artist and into art and has, you know, a bunch of tattoos and stuff like that. And like, um, you know, he's like, you see this sort of um, influence of him giving her fine art and she's also obsessed with like um you know uh pop art and and all that kind of stuff and you kind of see all these little influences all over place because like the thing is there's some great comic pages there's some great covers of horror stuff that she's copied in here then there's also like famous paintings that she's recreated with a ballpoint pen that are also equally as impressive like there's a lot of different art styles that are sort of um attacked here um and she does an amazing job with all of it yeah, what I really love on that is it's Surratt's, what, Sunday Day in the Park? So mm-hmm. she's copying on that, and that thing is a wonderful point of pointillism, but the way she drew yeah. it is short brush strokes. And then mm-hmm. you see um, Dee's and herself, and she has gone with the pointillism of the two of them. So they are looking at it through their world, and they're going, oh, this is all pointy, and there's a moment of time where that whole thing is flipped, if you understand what mm-hmm. that painting is. And it was just a little thing yeah. of... She absolutely knew exactly what she's doing and how she copies other famous paintings with ballpoint oh. pens. And you're yeah. just like, wait, I know that piece. This is <laughs> awesome. It's like, it, yeah. it isn't just much of, oh, I copied it. I kind of get the idea. It's like, no, actually, it's really pretty close. That's mm-hmm. yeah, really when, when impressive. She, uh, yeah, when she drew, um, I forget which character was in this position, but she drew a particular character in the exact same position as my favorite painting. Yes, oh, Jason. Yes. Oh, my God. I <laughs> took a screenshot of it, and I texted it to you, because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my yep. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's, it's so distinctive. and it, It's, it's uh, Picasso's The Old Guitarist, and the mm-hmm. body position is so... Uh, particular, but she copies it so beautifully that before she even referenced it, because it was so visually uh, perfect of of that painting, it just it it really uh, hit me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Todd, what are your uh, your thoughts? We haven't heard a whole ton from you yet. Well, what's interesting watching this? It's these are one of the books I um I'm always like for this show and other things. I always kind of try to have my eyes open and mm-hmm. something a little bit different. Yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoy. The world of superheroes with DC and Marvel, don't get me wrong, but there's much more than just that. Mm-hmm. So, and this one, and I saw it's like it cop been um, best of of a lot of different things coming forward. It's like, oh, let me go check that out. So, I, I just kind of bought it as a, on a lark and I was flipping through this and it showed up via Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> and I'm like, this thing really is, um, it's has such a strong voice unto itself. Oftentimes it's like, Oh, I've seen this before and kind of like, I'm familiar with the format. I'm reading of this. And this is someone that has such a strong, unique voice of going like, I've never seen a graphic novel quite like this one. And the style is such her own. And yet you can see her with copying other artists and what she's doing here. It is super intentional on how she is doing it. Not only as well, this is how I draw of this is a very specific way I am choosing to draw this. <laughs> yeah. And 
that is making as much of a statement as anything because as fun as like the pulpy horror covers are or how she kind of draws herself as this wolf kind of thing. I see it as a cross. You said that teen wolf, but it's also like, um, I was thinking like in- McGruff, Inspector McGruff a bit. There's a little Eddie Munster in there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got the Eddie Munster going on. And so she is lightly referencing all these different things and it's so fun and you can you can really feel the love and the passion she has put into this this was by mm-hmm. no means a uh, a work for hire or it's something i'm just doing next or pointing out but this is incredibly um passionate about it and i was reading up a bit on her i mean as much as she was you know west nile virus learning how to walk and draw again she's also a mother with kids mm-hmm. and yeah. the midst of all of this as well and it is simply phenomenal. And you go through this, and you can try to read it in a hurry. And yeah, I can see you getting lost, and you're like, oh, the art style, it's ballpoint pen. And yet you look at this, and you just want to stare at the crosshatching. And I even get like bits of like Van Gogh here and there on how she has intentionally mm-hmm. done the swipes and the pushes and the brush strokes. And you're just like, the amount... I look at this in awe. And thinking of the amount of time, because the biggest challenge of all with ballpoint pen is you only have that one size line. Mm-hmm. It's not like they can cheat and go thicker doing this or fill this in. I mean, everything mm-hmm. you see, I understand with that ballpoint pen, all of it was just a little line at a time. Yeah. And as I'm reading through this, I feel I'm, I force myself, I, I get a little bit lost in the story because realizing how long the art took i really want to go it's like if it took so long it's on purpose let me try to understand what's going on here mm-hmm. because it is so purposeful yeah. and yeah. it's just really kind of a remarkable thing in this way and so i've enjoyed the story you've got these morally gray characters like the brother is he a pimp is he a drug dealer i don't know does it really matter i mean who killed anka I mean, everyone could have. I mean, there's other people that could have, others that haven't. I mean, I'm not quite sure. It doesn't really resolve that great. Well, and it's also just the first half of the book, too, you know? Right. right. So it's not meant yeah. to resolve it yet. It's not yeah. meant to resolve it, but it's you've got all these uh, morally great characters, or you've got these characters that, like Anka, put in such shitty situations and you're go- and then you want to ask yourself is this something how would i have done it different is there something she could have done different or it's like you know she did the she did the with the hand that was dealt she did the best she could mm-hmm. and it's fun to watch or you've got um you've got her and with missy and how missy saw herself as a bit of a vampire as her monster and she is as a werewolf and then that little kiss and then missy bowing under mm-hmm. pressure to break it off and Mm -hmm. try to be normal. And it is such, you have things that are trying to like express that. And then they're being like, Oh, and society is going, no, you must not do that. And bowing to that pressure from others. So they're just felt to be, the characters are just so real and fleshed out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and as much as I gushed about the art of it, the writing of it is there and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and it, it, it's it's really cool. It's really deep. It's um, as much as you want to be there, and yeah, it was kind well, of I heartbreaking. Part of yeah, it is, and I think part of the the story, at least from like uh, like 
the way it's it's done it i, I think the what you're kind of going for is that it it demands it's it 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 as itself, it demands to be read slowly, like and absorbed and mm-hmm. taken in as far as the art goes and the, the writing style and all that kind of stuff. It's it's definitely not something we can read through as fast as what we'd normally read on this show. Um, right. It's you know what I mean because we'll be honest with you, half the time most of us read the, the day before or the, the day of the recording and just knock it out because you know what? Guess what? They're books with pictures. It's you know it's, we do this every week. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> And we've got lives. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Well, speak for yourself. Um, so, uh, I mean, other things outside the podcast. Yeah, speak for yourself. Anyway, uh, no, I, I guess <laughs> I, I, I do have season tickets to LAFC and all that. Sure. I was, I was talking more about your job in school. And, oh, yeah. And I mean, there's, 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 that there's the time. Yes. Yeah. Job, you know, there's school, adulting. Adulting. Yeah. yeah LAFC yeah, games. And, yeah. Yeah. Jim, you go I, to the gym I, once or twice a month. A month, yeah, a little bit. I go to the gym a little bit. I'm doing a half marathon in a week and a half or something like See, that. See, when you say that, I get tired sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, I, I actually did try to, like a lot of you guys, uh, mm-hmm. try to read it at a couple points this past week. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, um, I just got... Uh, distracted by something else and the first 30 pages or so were a little bit difficult for me but then last night uh, after the Game of Thrones finale Mm -hmm. um, I sat down in my living room and then in my bed and just took the next three four hours and read through the entire thing and uh, that um, I was happy that I did it that way because it it after those 30 or 50 pages or so it really hooked me in and uh, every uh, time there was a big plot moment or uh, character reveal or development it just hit me that much harder because i had been uh, i had invested my time to just sit there and enjoy the experience in this confined amount of, of time mm-hmm. um and that that helped me at least uh, if anyone out there is struggling to read it and get through it just devote some time take a block out of your day and, and really sit down with it because it, it does deserve that kind of um thoughtful attention and appreciation yeah mm. Uh, going to the, the, the writing um, and what Emil Ferris could have done or should have done or whatever, I, I think that she did a phenomenal job across the board. Um, in particular, I really appreciate how she treated rape and sex workers. Um, mm-hmm. The rape, as, as we mentioned at the head, uh, is never visually portrayed because it's not necessary, but it also isn't used to define that character or used as a catalyst for another character's actions. Mm-hmm. It exists as part of that character's journey in a fully organic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the sex workers, she treats them with respect and understanding. There's a lot of gray area associated with that profession and, and why different people either choose to go into it or some are unfortunately forced into it. Um, and she does a really good job of, of giving that as full a picture as possible. Uh, and, and in particular, there's a scene in which Anka is, uh, is sold to a, an underage, uh, prostitution ring called, uh, called the pharmacy. And this other girl is, um, has to sort of teach her how to behave with a client. Um, but it, it was treated so sort of tenderly and in a very heartbreaking way, um, while Anka is telling Molly the myth of Medusa, and then Molly sort of turned it on its head, no pun intended, and, and making Medusa into this woman that men only killed because they feared her power over them. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that, that uh, and that's just one example of the different layers and metaphors and symbolism throughout this entire book that, that Tamil Ferris is able to, to weave in, uh, and every uh, little visual thing that she uses 
is informing the writing and vice versa. And it just, it continues to do that the more and more you read it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you made um, me really want to sit down and finish it tonight, but I have <laughs> I could keep pitching this book. I really did love this. Sorry, that was my cat literally <laughs> stepping on the keyboard. I did not do that on purpose. That's great. That's great. <laughs> it could have been more awkward, but like because it could have happened when you were talking about the rape scene, but like that was like my cat literally stepping on the keyboard and triggered that. So that that was uh <laughs> Well, that's staying in. Uh, yeah, that's good. Cool. Um, I, 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 I'm just going to keep going. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Do it. Uh, uh, Karen's insights, because she's a, a young child. She's in middle school, I think. Um, and the way that she's written, uh, it's both as a sort of beautifully innocent uh, perspective, like a child's would be, but it's also very perceptive. And in a lot of media, sometimes it's, it's difficult to write kids uh, that don't feel authentic. They're either really observant, like a tiny little genius, mm-hmm. which can sometimes feel a little forced or fake, um, or they're way too simple-minded and they seem too young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Karen feels like a, a living, growing person who's trying to understand um, the world and her own identity. And it's just, it's really well done. Um, little moments I yeah. love in there. It's like her mother saying, Hey, you need to go to bed. I need to have private talk with your brother. And she's like, okay, mom. Mm-hmm. And then she goes like, I'm just going to hide behind the chair here. Or yep. she's thinking yeah. their tongue. It's like, you know, it's like, if I pretend to draw and look serious at this, she thinks I'm not listening and she'll just tell them everything anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. And it's just yeah. these wonderful little things is like, she knows these things and at the same time. It's like, I'm really interested, but if I pretend like I'm not, then they'll talk. And I'm like, and that felt really authentic yeah. and real. Oh, it's yeah. like kids oh, are yeah. so much smarter than you give them credit for, but they're yep. not super geniuses, but they are quite yeah. perceptive. So yeah, I, yeah, I like, really enjoyed when that. she's listening. Yeah. Like when she's listening to uh, her brother, talk to one of his friends, uh, his friend mentions Oedipus mm-hmm. and she's writing in the notes, Eddie piss. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's just a really, really sweet moment that still reminds you, Oh, right. This is a kid. She hasn't mm-hmm. really learned enough about the world to really fully understand what other references the adults are making. Um, yeah, her, her relationship with her brother is also really well done. Cause even though, Dees isn't always portrayed as the best kind of guy. He no. uh, uses women um, indiscriminately, pretty much. Uh, but his relationship with her is really sweet and really tender and very caring. And uh, you get a full sense of him as a person because he exhi- exhibits those different um, dimensions to his character. Um, in particular, there's a scene where his their mom um, wants Dee's to punish Karen for skipping school. So he gets out a belt and he fake hits the air or something. And then Karen cries out in fake pain and, and that sort of stuff. And it's a really, really nice scene. It, it ends with Dee's breaking down and admitting something terrible. Um, but it's it's it gives you a really good sense of their relationship and how much they trust one another. Mm-hmm. What yes. else you got? Uh, so... Um, Part of the main uh, push of this story is the death of the neighbor, Anka, mm-hmm. and uh, Karen using her detective sense to uh, try to figure out how Anka died because it is very mysterious at the beginning and no one really quite knows what happened because it's just a very peculiar way for someone to commit suicide. Um, but uh, when Karen is listening to Anka's uh, recorded tapes made a few years uh, previously, you hear Anka's storyline growing up in Germany and, and going through concentration camps. Uh, and it's, it's really heartbreaking, but it's also thrilling, disturbing, heartwarming. Um, yeah, there's at one point uh, she has a sort of surrogate mother in, um, in this brothel that she grows up in. And uh, uh, it feels like a very pivotal moment in that um, 
character's journey, not because uh, it sort of spurs her on to do something else, because Aku was already going to leave that brothel previously, but it, it feels like a, a very um, uh, informative moment in her life. And um, what I find it yeah. fascinating with that is, and you're looking at it through the eyes of about a 12, 13 year old girl. So mm-hmm. how much, you know, it's like the, the sex thing is it's there, but it's, it's over her head. She doesn't quite get it. It's the night machine. Yeah. So yeah, she calls it the night machine. Yeah. And she doesn't quite get it. And you're watching this and I was just thinking like, my wife is in education. She's a elementary school um, educator. And how much parents are trying... I mean, yes, I'm in Utah. They're darndest to uh, shield their kids from learning adult things. And sex, of course, is near on the top of it. And, I mean, it happens. And there's uh, good uses of sex. And then there's when sex is used poorly. I mean, it's absolutely mm. devastating. But... You've got this kid here in the exploring, and it's interesting. They will understand about as much as they're ready for. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, it was, it was just one of those things for me. You're going at it. It's like, you know, as kids going through some things, they understand. I mean, she's walked in on her brother, it seems, a number of times while he is using women. And he's like, yeah, you don't need to tell your mom about this. And she's like, okay, I'm not. I'm not quite ready to address <laughs> yeah. this sort of thing. So... I got it, and but it's there, and it's one of those things. Is like you can realize, like when she gets older again, she will like put two and two together. Hi, cat. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I, and I, I think that also extends to her ability to emotionally accept her friends because she she's obviously dealing with trying to emotionally accept herself, mm-hmm. um, and the way that she portrays her friends, whether it's Missy, um, who sort of imagines herself as a vampire, or her friend Sandy, who my mind is probably a ghost, mm-hmm. um, or my favorite, uh, her friend Franklin, who's depicted as Frankenstein's monster. Um, and one of my favorite uh, bits of writing from this book was uh, the way she describes him. If all the pieces fell away, I got the idea that what was inside of him was a big ball of bright light. Mm. I just thought that was a beautiful way to describe someone who's also going through their own... Um, uh, transformative yeah. process, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and then continuing with him, um, it, uh, we talked about it, it being a very well done historical book in that it deals with Nazi Germany and that sort of stuff. But it also actually takes place right when uh, Dr. King is assassinated, mm-hmm. and you see that from the perspective of Franklin, who is a, a young black kid, um, and how much it affects him and those around him, and it also really it does a beautiful job to actually give context to why people rioted at that time because there was an emotional turmoil inside that they had to put outside Mm -hmm. did you jason pick up Mm -hmm. on the fact that she was real into the sense of smell with everything oh yeah i actually thought um what was what's the there's a condition um uh where you when you see something, you smell it, or when you hear a sound, it looks like, like something in particular. Uh, that's what. That's the one. Yes, that that it so reminded me of that because her 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 senses were so sort of mm-hmm. tied to one another. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The fact that she yeah. could smell blue was yes. the thing that mm-hmm. like got me because then yeah. every time you saw Anka, she yeah. was always blue. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I just even uh, flipped over the page to to one. Um, 
uh, particular page. Actually, when uh, Anka's husband is in that mm-hmm. old guitarist pose, and on the right side of the page, uh, Karen is remarking that the apartment didn't smell like Anka's perfume anymore. I wonder if if that uh, uh, if that blue was the perfume. That could mm. be. The other yeah. thing I found a bit interesting as you're watching it, and it wasn't like probably on the noses, but with you know with King dying and all of that is. You're about the civil rights and how the um, African Americans were treated so poorly, but not a lot about Hispanics and whatnot. But they were among some of those groups too. Yeah, that aren't talked about. I mean, yeah. you even take a look at Nazi Germany and it's like, oh, the Jews, what they did. But for the Nazis in concentration camps, Jews were about half of what happened. But we just don't talk about that part mm-hmm. too much. And it also did bring up uh, the fact that there were uh, German citizens who were not Nazis and who tried to do the best they could in, in a very difficult circumstance. Um, yeah. It was interesting to watch. Um, when Actually, I was in high school, we had a German foreign exchange student. So this was back in the 90s because I'm old. And perspectives is such an interesting thing because like World War II came up. He's like, oh, yes, the Nazis lost World War II. And he had a fine line of going, it wasn't Germany that lost, it was the Nazis that lost. And I, I find that a bit of an interesting perspective, but as you look at Germany and everything that, I mean, the horrors, when everyone, how, how much were they complicit, how much were they not, but they're moving forward and just so separating themselves from all of that is, uh, yeah, going about ways, how do you separate this out? And you can say, well, it wasn't Germany that did these terrible things. It was this Nazism. And how do you, yeah, how do you yeah. cut that out, separate it, and move forward and keep the good parts that is still German and say, we're not doing this Hitler thing again? Yeah. Yeah, there was even a uh, a character on the uh, concent- or the train ride to the concentration camp um, who was a member of the Third mm-hmm. Path Party. Um, that uh, obviously the Nazis did not want in government. And one, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, so it's um, everyone is crammed into this train car and it starts snowing outside and people are pushing and shoving just so they can drink some of it because they're, they're crammed in this tiny little space. Um, and then one man whistles loudly and makes everyone take turns drinking the melted snow out of his hands. And when Anka reaches him and she looks at his hands, uh, she sees that each time he has to reach his hands out to get more snow, the bars in the train actually cut his arms and hands. Um, and then you also get another beautiful phrase that I, I wrote down um, she said, uh, I think we felt more courage after we drank the water that tasted of coal, smoke, and blood. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing to go <laughs> off of that. <laughs> this book just it made really me feel did. things. Yeah. No, I, One of my favorite yeah. ones going through it and going yeah. on is like, and this, this is a little bit of a here, but it's the bad monsters want the world to look the way they want it to. They need people to be afraid. Mm, they don't yes. live in their lair and mostly mind their own biz. I guess that's the difference. A good monster sometimes gives somebody a fright because they're weird-looking and fangy, a fact that is beyond their control. But bad monsters are all about control. They want the whole world to be scared so the bad monsters can call the shots. Yeah. Lots of feels, isn't it? So, so <laughs> yeah. uh, Brian, lighten it up. Lighten it up. Uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, Make a go. press the button again. <laughs> Thank you, Cap. There you go. <laughs> Not that was, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Um, I mean, that's. I have a feeling that if I don't cut you off at some point in time, this will just go on yeah, and on I, and on and on for a while. 
I will keep talking about this. Yeah, book. well, good. <laughs> <laughs> then let us uh, let us go with um, let's go with uh, some final grades as to uh, mm-hmm. you know all that kind of fun stuff for self-contained. Mr. Adam gives it an F. <laughs> it's a very interesting story, but it needs to end with more and new questions being asked than answered. I mean, I also don't know if Adam realized that this was only half of the story, um, but the other half is going to come out. Um, so, uh, Mr. Jason, what is your uh, self-contained? I, I actually gave it an F as well because it didn't really wrap anything up uh, and it just uh, presented more questions like, Victor, is he Dee's twin brother? What, what happened there? Mm-hmm. Um, which we didn't mm-hmm. talk about at all, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's self-contained F. I need more. Okay. Uh, Mr. Todd? Yeah, it's an F. So, as you're finishing it through here, you can tell very much that the publisher went, yeah, it's too big. You just need to pick a spot to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and yeah. Lena. Uh, yeah. F. Even within the story, there's so many pieces that just kind of ended before the end mm-hmm. that I'm hoping get finished. Like Anka's story mm-hmm. in the yeah. second part. Okay. So I find the challenge with this. Did anyone here read much uh, Neil Stevenson? Uh, no, I think it's in my Amazon cart though at the moment. <laughs> All right. So, Neil, as an author, and Emil doesn't do this to quite a degree, but Neil will write a 700-page book, and oftentimes it'll be three disparate stories going throughout, and the last 50 pages ties everything together (laughs) in a whirlwind. And it's great, and the three independent stories really hold well on their own, and then you see how they all tie together. And this feels like a little bit like we're on page 55 (laughs) before the end. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sense. Uh, for writing, uh, Mr. Adam gave it an A, brilliantly written and an enta- entertaining and intriguing story. Uh, Mr. Todd, no, what is it's your grade a, for writing? As well, I, it's an A. Yeah. There you okay. go. A. Uh, Miss uh, Elena or Ms. Elena. What is the preferred term, Elena? Uh, Ms. 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 Elena. Yeah, because I'm old now. Um, <laughs> I gave it an A. I the the funny thing is when you read it on the Kindle, you can set it up that it will like push you through the the like if you double tap on the page, mm-hmm. the um, publisher has it set up so that it will just give you the frame so you're going through it the way that you oh, should panel by panel. Yes. As opposed to page by page. Exactly. So that yeah. way I, I bet- was I was able to follow everything pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but then have to go back and want to see the full page after that. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's awesome. You should check out, uh, what, Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams' Batman Elegy. Because I think your Kindle would break. <laughs> with how that thing's laid out. <laughs> Well, I don't want to break it, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, Mr. Jason for writing. Oh, it's an A. Uh, yeah, it's an A. Okay. Uh, for art, uh, what is your grade, Ms. Lena? A. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I thought from everything, just her drawing, even the quick like sketches that she did of Dee's and Karen just were mm-hmm. amazing. Okay, uh, Jason. It, it's an A as well. I mean, uh, as much as I gush about the writing and the metaphors and the, the layers and that sort of stuff, uh, the art is is sometimes just 
uh, breathtaking to behold if you stop on any sort of page there's something in there to just draw your eye to something beautiful cool and mr mm-hmm. todd oh yeah it's a font hey <laughs> <laughs> and uh adam gave it a b minus i disagree with his statement here i'm just gonna say that right now i uh, says the art itself is fantastic but the way it's presented in the ruler notebook is distracting and takes away from the experience i don't believe that but that's okay that's adam's opinion and he's entitled to it Mm-hmm. Well, I will say yeah. it took me a minute at the beginning mm-hmm. to get used to the line, like to the the kind of notebook page look to it. But once you're in it, you, the lines I totally forgot they were there. Yeah, agreed. Um, cool. Yeah. Then, so for total overall grade, Mr. Adam gave it an A minus. He said the story gets its hooks in you and draws you from page to page, and uh, to find out what happens in the next book. The art is absolutely astounding, but it was distracted from uh, having the ruled book background. So he really hated that ruled book background, but that's okay. Uh, Lena, what is your grade? I gave it an A minus, okay. and the minus is just because it doesn't resolve anything okay mr todd you know before i get to my great watching of this the other thing we didn't bring up that i absolutely loved is the spot in karen's mother's eye of the green island oh yeah that's a cool moment i mean as you go through it and it's revisited a couple of times and as you watch this is you've got this little girl that's just staring into mom's eyes and she has named a part of the coloring in her eye and you're like that is just so sweet on how she finds comfort there or she's looking for comfort there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um and it's so beautifully done so um it's also an a minus because it felt and i i want to give the a minus and blame the uh, i'm going to say publisher editor because of how the ending is a bit jarring okay. in that way yeah and mr jason so uh to me, that this is one of those books that will eventually make its way into college courses, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and students yeah. and professors will dissect because it has so many layers and parts worth analyzing. Delves into art history and appreciation, uh, wonderful historical context, and uh, at the same time uh, deals with very real three-dimensional characters in a beautiful adult, nuanced way from the perspective of a of a young person. It's it's really well done. So for me, it's an easy A with. Emma Stone. Yeah. Always with Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I will also point out uh, at the uh, on the back cover, there is a blurb uh, from Alison Bechtel of the Bechtel Wallace mm-hmm. test. Yeah. So if, if you're a fan of hers, she's a fan of this book. So uh, there's, yeah. uh, we read uh, Fun House or Fun Home on this podcast, actually. Yeah. Uh, okay, from, cool. From Bechtel, which I actually quite yeah. liked and I think is. There's an interesting comparison between the musical and the, the comic book, which uh, mm. is just interesting in general. Uh, cool. We came out with a 3.775, which is an A minus grade, which is pretty obviously consistent mm-hmm. since we had three A minuses and one A. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, cool. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to be doing next week, but we are going to be doing Pride books for next month. Um, Adam has sent us the list of what he is thinking of book-wise. I, like I said, I'm not exactly sure which one we're going to read first. Uh, but the list includes a book called Moonstruck, uh, um, On a Sunbeam, Life with Kevin, which is from the, uh, the Kevin from the... Uh, Archie Comics, and then Taproot, a story about a gardener and a ghost. Um, for my money, I would put my, my bet on on a Sunbeam being the first book we read because that one's available on Amazon and the rest are available on in-stock trades, so we'll probably get that one first. Um, that's my bet. Okay. If I was to... If, if I was to so, 
also being said with on a sunbeam because i have a here mm-hmm. is um it's a much faster read than this one by well everything means, is but it's 500 <laughs> right on a sunbeam is 500 pages. oh wow oh Adam is Adam's not liking us. Oh well, that's okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean I'm actually looking for there was there was a book called something about fuck. I don't remember what it was, but I really wanted to read that book, but Adam didn't pick it. But whatever. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, that will be Pride Month next month. Uh, so we'll be reading mm-hmm. that. Who has recommendations? They're just dying to get off their chest. I got okay. one. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, last week I mentioned Killing Eve, and in passing, I brought up the series Fleabag. It's apparently back with a second I season. I noticed that on uh, Amazon um, the other day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, both seasons available on Amazon Prime. That's uh, another series written and created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And joining the cast this year is also uh, Andrew Scott, who played Moriarty on the BBC's Sherlock, oh. and uh, is just a wonderful person. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. there are multiple reasons to watch oh, the show. Oh, you've met now. him? Yeah, I I actually um, uh, I was asked by a friend of his who was my boss at the time to drive him around to a bunch of uh, inter or to a bunch of auditions, um, and I remember uh, very distinctly he gave me uh, money for for driving him around at the end of the day, but it was too much. So I was going to give him change, but I didn't have enough cash, mm-hmm. so I promised him the next time I met him I would buy him nineteen dollars worth of uh-huh. beer. Um, yeah, so I haven't yet done that, but as soon as I can, Adam, uh, if, or Andrew, if you are listening, I still owe you that. Beer. I'm surprised wow. you didn't introduce <laughs> him I, as the villain of Spectre. I sh- yeah, he's he, in Spectre. Is he in Sp- Well, as the he, villain? He, he's not the head villain. I think we're thinking of two different people. Maybe, Maybe not. Oh, is he just a villain? He's a villain, know. not the top villain. Okay. Okay, well, he is amazing as Moriarty, mm-hmm. I will say that. Yes. If I if yeah. I would have known that you had access to him in any way or shape or form, I would have probably tried to harass you for an autograph or something. But uh, <laughs> good thing I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. uh, so cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, Todd, do you have any recommendations? Not this week. Yeah. Okay. Lena, do you have anything to recommend? Uh, no, nothing this nothing week. Nothing this week. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I feel like I should recommend something since I've been such. You want to recommend your course book? My course book that's just about as uh, it's actually lighter than uh, <laughs> than the, yeah. this book. No, uh, I won't recommend that. Uh, I did build. Just I mean, this is so useless information. I, I'm, I'm working on my own little bat cave. I bought some extra monitors, so I like this is my first time recording a podcast with four monitors in front Woo-hoo! of me. Maybe that's why I'm so like flighty. It's kind of awesome though, like because I have like my notes up on. On one screen, I have the recording on another screen. I can have text messages on the other screen, but I don't have them up. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's been really kind of nice. I keep justifying it, saying that I'm doing a lot more homework and sitting for my computer. But frankly, what I really need is a more comfortable chair. So I am I am recommending comfortable office chairs because this one from IKEA is just <laughs> not comfortable. Uh, well, it's from IKEA, Brian. I know, I know. Well, here's the thing: I bought it when I wasn't really sitting at my desk for multiple hours at a time, writing papers and reading all sorts of gobbledygook online for classes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Now I actually have to sit in front of my computer quite a bit and uh, yeah, my ass is sore. So, um, <laughs> and then I don't know if you guys heard that, but my Amazon Echo just added a chair to my shopping list. Thank you, Amazon Echo. <laughs> That's awkward. That's creepy. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't own one of those <sighs> things. I got it as a gift from Tom. I actually really like it, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> But I connected all my lights to it and all sorts of stuff because yeah, it's just you know it's kind of fun. Um, I, 
this is horrible, but I'm just going to admit to this and I might edit this out later. I, uh, when I started dating this girl, mm-hmm. I, um, I totally had a makeout playlist and a light scene program just for my own personal Way to go, buddy. Because I was... <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, oh, wait, no, he, was, he was planning on doing more, if I remember correctly. You told me about <laughs> What this. else was I going to do? You were gonna like you were talking about getting like strobe um, lighting going on. Where it like turned on at the disco ball time or whatever. Like when you like oh, that's your right. hands, you did something. You were like time it perfectly and everything yeah. like a creeper. Dude, you need oh a my god. The text Clap I got on. was well. The text I got from Brian was, "Is this creepy or cool?" <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's fucking creepy. But to make it funny, when you do that, you need to have the first song play is "It's Business Time." By Flight of the Concords. Uh, it's on the there playlist. It's most definitely right. on the playlist. So you just need actually. to have it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to embrace it. You have to lean into the curve of the funny and goofy. Well, part of the thing yeah. is like, oh, here, okay, this will be my weekly recommendation okay. then in, in that regard. Uh, the movie Pillow Talk. It's an old movie with Doris Day and Rock Hudson. That's where I stole the idea from. Rock Hudson totally <laughs> yeah, has a passion. That's stole the idea from. Yeah, it's totally where I stole the idea from. So I, I just thought that was funny. I was like, okay, so, so yeah, check that out. Uh, Rock Hudson playing a heterosexual playboy. Which which is uh, quite some acting. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. Um, anybody got anything else? Nope, that's about it. I mean, I can keep yeah. talking about the book. Yeah, but... <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us, and thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you later. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us. Please rate us on whatever service you listen on. And remember, at least we're not cinema queens.